Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything else going on in your life that you'd like some biblical perspective on. We're here to do that for you. The vision of this show is to give you kind of a lifeline and a connection point with pastors in in on the radio. I guess I was going to say in the local area, but I realized that we are broadcasting beyond our local area. Uh, for those of you in Colorado, it'll be your local area. But um, yeah, to give you a lifeline with some pastors who are able to answer those questions that maybe, you know, attending on Sunday morning, you hear the sermon, you, you hear the passage that's being taught and what you're going through. Maybe you have some questions outside of that. Maybe in your own Bible reading, there are some things that you've struggled with understanding. Maybe in your own life, there's some questions about Christianity that you've always had and you, you've never been able to find somebody to give you an answer. Well, that's what this show aims to do. That's why we're here. And I would love to hear from you. And uh, I'd love to hear your questions about Christianity and the Bible. I'd love to hear your prayer requests. We're here also to pray for you. Remember that there are a lot of people tuning in to this program all over the country and even around the world. And we can all agree together in Jesus' name for uh, your prayer requests and lift that up to the Lord together. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Today is September 23rd. It's a Wednesday. And the reason I tell you the date there is because I want you to know that those of you tuning in up and down the front range of Colorado, you're hearing this show live today. And I would love to hear from you. We're, we've got uh, people standing by to take your calls uh, with your prayer requests, your questions about the Bible. So give me a call. And just a reminder that those of you who are listening on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, those of you listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky, first of all, welcome to the program. We're so glad that God is growing this family of people listening to Calvary Live. But I also want to let you know that you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. But that's only for those listening on Hope FM and Truth FM. Those listening on Grace FM, you're hearing the program live, as well as those of you listening online. But for those on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, just a heads up that you're listening on a one-week delay. Now, what that means for you is that we, we still want you to call in and be part of the show. And you guys kind of have a unique opportunity, and that is that you get to tune in a week later, and you get to listen to yourself on the radio and... That's not just an opportunity for you to hear yourself talk, right? What that is, it's an opportunity for you to tell somebody you know that, hey, I'm, I'm going to be on the radio, so you should tune in, you should check it out. And, um, and that might be a great way for you to introduce them to Christian radio and, and see how God uses it in their life. I know I've talked to people all over the place who've said, you know, God, had used, God used Christian radio in my life. I've talked to people who have come to faith in Jesus through listening to Christian radio. 
I have talked to people who say, you know, I was, I've just been ministered to, I've been encouraged, I've had my questions answered. God really uses this forum a lot, and so um, maybe that's a great way that you can introduce somebody to that. And on that same note, just in how God uses not only this program, but other Christian radio stations out there, I want to encourage you to pray about, you know, supporting your local Christian radio station, because God really uses this um, to do some pretty incredible work. You know, people who maybe don't yet step foot in church or maybe they haven't been in church for a while this is a way that we can reach them and they can just sit and listen and absorb the word of god it's a really powerful thing so wherever you're listening to this show we encourage you to support your local christian radio station um, we also want to greet those of you who are listening online so if you guys don't yet have it i really encourage you to go and get the grace fm app it's free you can get it for your iphone your android for your tablet and what you can do with that is that anywhere you are in the world, you can then tune in to this show and other programs on Grace FM. A lot of Bible teaching going on throughout the day. And you can tune in live anywhere in the world. And we often have people, in fact, I'm looking at the map right now, that we have people uh, all over the country who tune in for this program here in the United States. And we also have listeners outside of the United States. We often have listeners in Africa, in Europe, in Asia. And so uh, it's pretty cool to see how God is using this uh, and the broadcast online to reach many people. Looks like we've got listeners right now in Washington State. We've got listeners down in Southern California. Looks like San Diego area. Looks like we've got a bunch of listeners here in Colorado who, even though they're in the listening range, they're listening online. That's actually how I listen when I'm not in my car, which is the only place I have a radio nowadays. Uh, looks like listeners in Texas and the Midwest, some up on the eastern seaboard. So welcome to the program. We're so glad to have you guys who are tuning in online. Good to have you with us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let me give you a few words about myself before we go to our first caller here in just a second. My name is Nick Cady. Again, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And I am your host on Calvary Live every Friday. Now, of course, today is a Wednesday, and I'm filling in for Pastor Ed Taylor today. He's usually on, on Wednesdays, but um, because of schedules and things like that, I'm filling in for him today. So I'm glad to be with you guys. I'm glad to meet some of this Wednesday crowd. It is interesting. I used to host on Mondays and then I switched to Fridays. And I do, you know, you do notice that there are certain, there's like a different crowd of people who tune in uh, on certain days of the week. So I'm, I'm interested. I'm excited to meet some of you Wednesday listeners. So uh, just a few more words about myself. Like I said, Pastor Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're a Calvary Chapel affiliated church here in this great city. Um, our church recently moved, and we want you to know about that because we want you to come and visit. We want you to come and worship and be part of what God's doing here at Whitefields. You know, this is a weird time to move a church or to get into a church building, which, of course, is a big uh, undertaking, big endeavor. But it's just been a huge blessing for us. And, you know, by God's grace, we have uh, have been only minimally affected by by the coronavirus outbreak. Now, some people in our church have been affected and, and things like that. We've had a few people get sick and they've all recovered. Um, but as a church, you know, I know a lot of churches are struggling right now. I, I recently heard a statistic from Barna Research Group that does a lot of church statistics. They said that in the next 18 months, they expect one in five churches in the United States to close. That's a staggering number. One in five, that's 20% of churches. 
are expected to close within the next 18 months as a result of the coronavirus um, situation and pandemic that we've been facing. So I really encourage you guys out there, pray for your local church. Um, this is not a time to disengage. We, we've seen some other statistics that say that um, roughly 30% of people who went to church regularly prior to the pandemic have just completely disengaged, meaning they're not connecting with online live streaming services. They're not connecting in person. They're just kind of just, it's off their radar and they just haven't been engaging. I know it's harder right now, but I really encourage you guys, uh, don't let it be out of sight, out of mind. Let's be those who push in and believe that the church of God is something that he created. It has a mission. It has a purpose. It's good for us and it's good for the world. And so let's be pushing in, praying for our local churches, and of course, also supporting our churches, both in service and financial giving and all of those things. So um, our church, here's our address. I mentioned this whole thing that we moved, right? So I want to tell you our new address is 2950 Colorful Avenue, in Longmont, so Colorful Avenue, 2950 Colorful Avenue. We're directly north of Sandstone Ranch Community Park, which is a big sports complex here in Longmont. It's where the, the big skate park is. It's where all the soccer um, tournaments take place. So we're just directly north. We're right on Highway 119. So if you're coming from I-25 or you're coming from Frederick, Firestone, Dakono, you go straight down Highway 119, and then you just hang a right, and we're right here, um, right at... Um, it's Fairview is our cross street, but we're about uh, we're about half mile east of County Line Road, right on Highway 119. So kind of right in between I-25 and downtown Longmont. And so we'd love to have you come and visit us for a Sunday. Our services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and they're also live streamed. So if you are staying home or you're not uh, in driving distance of our church, then we would. We'd love it if you check us out online. So our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And so I just got a text real quick. Uh, do people get off I-25 at County Line Road? No, uh, County Line Road runs parallel to I-25. Uh, so you would get off the highway at Highway 119. And uh, you can also get off at, let's say, Highway 52 or Highway 66. All, those are all Longmont exits, and you can just, but Highway 119 is by far the best. It's, it's also the main highway into Longmont. And so we've also got people who come up Highway 119 from Boulder to our church. We've got people who come up County Line Road from Erie and down County Line Road from Berthoud. We've got a lot of people who come from Mead as well as Lyons. So if you are in the general vicinity of, of Longmont or in any of the surrounding communities, we'd love it if you'd come and visit with us and worship with us. God's doing a great thing, and we're excited about it. So uh, 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, and 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Check us out. All the information is at whitefieldschurch.com. We're currently studying through First and Second Kings, which has been surprisingly just a huge blessing, very relevant. We're in Second Kings chapter 4, looking right now at the life of the prophet Elisha and some of the miracles that he did and how they point us to Jesus. It's absolutely a wonderful study and it's been so enriching. But we'd love to have you and check us out online. Let's go to our first caller, Josh in Loveland. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the program. Josh, are you still there? Okay, Josh must have dropped. Josh, if you're still listening, we'd love for you to call back. And I see your question here, and I'll answer it. 
um, even if you don't call back. Okay, so let's go to our next caller, Adolfo in Denver. Hi, Adolfo. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor. Hello. What can uh, I do for yes, you? Yes, can you hear How me? How are you? I can hear you. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So my question is about uh, Judges 19, and I understand the, um, I mean, like the first part of the story, um, but the second part when he goes back with his wife, and then they they find that trouble in uh, the place where they stay. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that whole thing. Maybe you could explain it to me. Okay, so are you talking about the part? Okay, so for our listeners, just for their sakes, they may not uh, know the story. The story is that there is this Levite, and he has a concubine. Now, let's remember that one of the big points of this story, in, and one of the points of the book of Judges, is that there was no king in Israel in those days. And it's like repeated over and over. They're in those days, even here in chapter 19, verse 1, in those days when there was no king in Israel, and it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And it's showing us that chaos reigned because there was a lack of leadership. right? And so that's kind of the point, is a lot of these stories are to show us how just crazy and weird things got. So one of the ways it got, gets weird, there's a Levite, who has a concubine. Why in the world would a Levite have a concubine? That, first of all, is not good. It's wrong. Levites were the priestly tribe. Okay, so let's go on. There's this whole story about this concubine, and she uh, she goes, they go to this town. The concubine um, gets killed because they, they go, he's staying in the open square in the city. They're traveling from a certain place. They're staying in the open square of the, the town where they go to visit. And, um, and so it, what they find is that the people of the town kill the concubine. Right? It says, verse 26, the men would not listen to him. It's also such a, such a weird story, right? Let, let's just back up a little bit even before that. It says, so they're there and some worthless fellows come and they surround the house where he's staying. And they say to the man, bring out the man who came into your house so that we may sleep with him. So that's the first thing they want to do is sleep with this, this man who's the visitor in the house. And the owner of the house says, uh, no, do not act wickedly. This man is my guest. Uh, behold, instead, here's my virgin daughter and here's the man's concubine. So he offers those things up instead, which again, also, that's terrible. Um, and he says, let me bring them out and go ahead and violate them. Do whatever you want, but don't do this outrageous thing to the man. It says the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and forced her to go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until morning. And as the dawn began to break, they let her go. And as the morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house uh, until it was light. But then he rose and uh, she died on the doorstep. And then to make the story even weirder, here's what he does. He takes this concubine. He cuts her up into 12 pieces. Again, not a good thing uh, at all to defile a body in that way. And he sends pieces of her body throughout all the territory of Israel, uh, essentially one part to each tribe, and says, well, let this be a lesson to you guys. 
it's almost hard to know where to start with what's wrong with this story. Now, let's remember that a lot of things in the Bible, just because they happen, doesn't mean that it's, you know, it's reporting the news, right? If you read in the news that somebody robbed a gas station, that doesn't mean that the news reporter is saying it's a great thing and we should all go rob gas stations. And so in this story, a lot of the times, you know, a passage will give us a negative example. And so that's what we have here is just a, a negative example, but it's like so many negative examples. And so one of the uh, things is this. First of all, this Levite should not have a concubine. Secondly, it tells us that even though this was Israel and the people should have known the Lord and walked with the Lord, many of them didn't. There were people who were, there was like a mob of people who wanted to uh, abuse this man sexually. Now, let's also remember that much of the Old Testament points us to Jesus. How does this point us to Jesus? Well, sometimes the way that a passage points us to Jesus is by giving us a negative example, right? It's showing us somebody, and what Jesus does is the opposite of what that person does. And so I think that we have a great example of that here, where it says that they, they try to put the, the man, the, the man tries to save, so the owner of the house tries to save the man who's there as a guest, by offering up more vulnerable people, his virgin daughter, which means she was probably young, and his, the other man's concubine, right? So in, a, in other words, to protect the man, I understand he's a guest, but you're offering up a little girl and you're offering up this man's concubine. Um, Jesus, on the other hand, what does he do for us? Rather than offering up other things in order to protect himself, Jesus offers up himself, gives his own life for us courageously so that we can be spared, so that we can be saved. And so um, really this, this whole story is just uh, one calamity after another, one depraved act after another. And I think the, the biggest takeaway from this is this is what happens when there is no leadership. This is what happens when men particularly abdicate their God-given role of being protectors and being leaders. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that's more clear than what I had in mind. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, let's just also... More like in the, uh, like, why was the, uh, the person cut up in 12 pieces? I mean, what, yeah. what was the purpose of it? The purpose of the cutting up in 12 pieces was that they sent one of each of these pieces to each of the different tribes in Israel to say, hey, look at this horrendous thing that happened. And yet here's what I find ironic about it. And I think that we're supposed to see this irony in the story. Here's this man, this Levite, and he's trying to make a point to everybody and say, hey, look, look how immoral our society has become where people just abuse and kill, um, you know, people in the streets. He's demanding justice for, for moral, you know, degradation. And yet he himself is responsible. So rather than taking responsibility for the fact that, number one, why does he even have a concubine? And number two, why did he literally push his concubine outside in order to save his own skin? Right. So he's this is like what we do many times when we say, oh, guys, look at how bad the world has become. 
everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And what are we doing? We're pointing out, oh, there's evil out there in the world, but we're not dealing with the evil in our own hearts. We're not dealing with our own evil actions before God. That's what this man is doing. And so that, that's really important for us to see in the passage. And, and also remember where this fits into biblical history. This is a dark, dark period in Israel's history. And it's soon going to lead, not long after this, to the demand for an Israelite king. And that will, of course, set the stage for all of the prophecies and all of the things which will lead up to Jesus Christ, the son of David. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor. That's, hey, uh, great passage and, and, and a very difficult one. This is the exact kind of stuff that we're here to answer. So, th hey, thanks for the call. Great talking with you. Uh, thank you, Pastor. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Give me a call with your questions about the Bible or with your prayer requests. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Let's go to Maryland and Silver Springs, Maryland. Hi, Marilyn. Welcome to the program. Hi. Good evening. Um, I would like a prayer request. Um, my husband going in tomorrow for a second X-ray. Uh, they think they see something in his liver, mm. but um, I, so I'm claiming that is nothing there, and I just want some prayer for that coverage. Yeah, let's pray for that. Okay, Lord, we, we lift up Marilyn, her husband, to you. Uh, Lord, we pray that as as he goes in for the second X-ray tomorrow, Lord, we pray that you'd help the doctors and the technicians to be able to see very clearly what it is that they're looking for. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that there would be nothing there. Lord, if there's anything there right now, we ask that you would take it away. Lord, we pray that you would touch her husband with healing during this time. And Lord, we pray that he would uh, come back with a clean x-ray. And but, but we also pray that they would get a good shot at it. They would be able to see really clearly what it is so they're able to rule out anything that they might have been worried about. And so, Lord, we pray for Marilyn also that you give her faith and comfort and hope during this time. We pray, Lord, that you would be with her and strengthen her and help her to be an encouragement and uh, some, someone who her husband can lean upon during this time as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God Thank bless you, so Marilyn. Yeah, you. hoping to hear that uh, that praise report, okay? I sure will. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We had uh, a lot of texts, or sorry, a lot of calls come in really early on, and now uh, with that first one dropping, now we have all open lines. So I would love to hear from you. Call me with your questions about the Bible. Uh, like earlier, we had uh, that question from Adolfo asking about just this really kind of difficult to understand passage in Judges 19. Stuff like that is um, stuff that we're here to answer for you. As well as maybe, you know, you were, you're curious. How do things that we're experiencing in society, how do they line up with the Bible? things like that. I'd love to discuss those with you. Give me a call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. So 
earlier we were going to talk to Josh in Loveland. And so Josh couldn't hold any longer, so he had to drop. But he had a question. I think it's one that we can answer. The question is, what does it mean when Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 6, not to cast your pearls before swine? So the answer to that question, Josh, and, and everyone else listening, um, that passage is found, Matthew 7, 6. So Matthew's, chap Matthew's gospel, chapters 5 through 7, encompass what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is a sermon, actual sermon that Jesus gave, but many people believe, and I'm, I'm one of them, that this is the sermon that Jesus preached. It's kind of his core message because you know that Jesus was an itinerant preacher. It says that he went around to all the villages in Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And we also read a very similar sermon to this in Luke chapter 6, but there it says that he preached that sermon on a flat place, on a plain. And so some people have tried to say, well, it was on a hill, but it was on a flat place on the hill. Possible. But the other thing about that is that there are some differences, slight differences, but there are differences between the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7 and the Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6. And, you know, some people would look at that and they'd say, oh, look, you know, even the people recording it couldn't even get their story straight. There's discrepancies. There's differences. There's really no, no problem here at all. Here's what's going on. Jesus preached the same sermon um, multiple times, but of course he wasn't preaching from notes, so he would preach it a little bit different at different times. So what we have there with the Sermon on the Mount is kind of Jesus' core message, the essentials. You know, also if you read the Sermon on the Mount, it, it really only takes you about four minutes to read it out loud. And my guess is that Jesus talked for more than four minutes at a time when he gave a sermon. So what we have here is kind of a, a summary or a truncated version of what Jesus would have preached when he was traveling around the regions of Galilee. And this particular version of it was recorded at a time when they were up on a mount above Caesarea near the um, Sea of Galilee. Okay, so the question, do not cast your pearls before swine. That's in Matthew chapter 7. In order to understand its meaning, you have to understand its context and its place within the sermon. So let's go ahead and look at that. Um, Jesus had just finished talking to the crowd, or he's speaking to a crowd, including his disciples. He's speaking to his crowd about judgment and reproving others, right? So he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. In the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's also the place where Jesus says in verse 5, you hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. And then, in verse 6, then Jesus tempers these admonitions, and he shows us the difference between judgment and discernment. And that's really important, right? Because a lot of people say, well, aren't we called sometimes to judge between right and wrong and to have discernment? And so on the one hand, we're not to be hypocritical judges, and yet we must be able to, to discern uh, when someone is a swine, let's say, or acting like a swine, lest we cast our pearls before them. So, but before Jesus says, do not cast your pearls before swine, he also says, do not give dogs what is sacred. And so this whole idea of swine and dogs, this is also, um, these two, 
comparing dogs and swine, remember unclean animals, both of them, for the Jewish mind, they didn't think of dogs in the same way as we do, as domesticated pets. They were, they were dangerous animals that roamed the streets in packs. And swine, of course, were unclean and dirty animals. And so the idea here is it's speaking of people who, who don't appreciate the things of God. And this idea that um, to bring before those who would ridicule or reject and blaspheme the gospel, to bring before them things which are precious to you, to lay those things out, uh, only to have them mocked, Jesus says, um, you, you should be able to discern the difference between doing that. So hopefully that answers the question there for you, Josh. Um, and God bless you. Hey, we're going to our break. Give us a call. We'll get you on right after the break. The number to call is 303 690 3000. It's 303-690-3000. We'll be right back in two minutes time here with Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your uh, prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you with everybody listening, just saying amen together. And we would also love to uh, hear and discuss and answer your questions about the Bible or how things in the Bible relate to today. So the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Cindy in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Cindy. Welcome to the program. Hey, Cindy, you're on the air. My question um, is, how does the devil know um, how to specifically target our weaknesses? Um, it's my understanding that he can't read our thoughts, but does God give him information about us, or does he just kind of throw a bunch of things at us and see which ones cause us problems? Sure. Yeah, so I would say this, that um, the devil, I don't believe, can read our thoughts or hear our thoughts. I don't think that the devil or any being other than God is omniscient, meaning they don't know everything about you. Um, but, you know, the devil's been doing his job for a really long time, and we're probably not as complicated as we think we are, right? Like, uh, there, I'm sure he's a student of human nature. And like I said, he's been doing this a long time. He knows what pushes people's buttons. He can see our behaviors. Here's the other thing is that I think that sometimes you're right. I think that sometimes, you know, the devil probably does throw things against the wall to see what sticks in a way. Um, but once he finds what sticks, I'm sure he sticks with that. And, you know, one of the things I always tell our congregation here in Longmont is that um, the, the, uh, the, the battleground on which spiritual warfare takes place is the battleground of the mind because the devil it says jesus says he's a father of lies it's what he's been doing for a long time uh he is a liar and he's the father of lies so um that's part of it what is what does that mean that he lies well he tells us things about god and about ourselves and about other people 
which aren't true. And those things lead us away from God. They lead to division in relationships. They lead to destruction uh, in our own lives and in relationships and, of course, in our relationship with God. And so that's always a big test of, you know, is this from the Lord or not? Is, is where does it lead? The other thing that we see there in Ephesians chapter 6, if you look at all of, the, all of the armor, right? There's armor that protects your head. There's armor that protects your heart. There's, um, there's armor that protects all of you, right? The shield with which you, um, you know, you stand against the fiery darts of the evil one. And then there's a sword. That's the offensive weapon, taking the sword of the spirit. And how do you use it? You use it in prayer. So to answer your question, I think that the, the devil, our enemy, prowling around looking for whom he can devour, he knows human nature. He's been doing this a long time. He's super good at it. Um, but the good news is we have the word of God and the spirit of God on our side. Okay. So I'm not sure if I asked this as part of the question, but does God give him information, for example, well, and then... If I understand it right, the devil can only do what God allows him to do. Is that correct in testing us? Yeah, that would be correct. Okay. So does God give us inf give Satan information, or is it just the way you explained it before? That yeah, well, just, that's a, he, that's a, he just knows people. Sure, that's an interesting thing uh, to ask. I'm not really sure if God uh, gives him particular information. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't rule that out. Let's put it that way. Let's think about Job, right? So says that Satan goes, talks to Job. And God says, have you thought about Job? Which I'm sure when Job read that later on, like Job gets to heaven and like reads that he's in the Bible. And he's like, what? You like offered me to him, <laughs> right? Like, thanks, I guess. But in the end, of course, Job ends up uh, more blessed and, and ends up being used by God in great ways, of course, throughout history. But... The point being that um, that apparently, you know, God does give some direction. And as you said, you know, one way you could think of Satan, he's like a dog on a chain, right? Like, so he's only able to move in the space that God allows him to and to do the things that God allows him to do. One of my favorite verses on this topic is in Colossians chapter 2, where it says that, um, that he has been in Jesus Christ the principalities and the powers have been led in a triumphal procession and he has put them to open shame now the reason that is such an interesting and cool thing that we read there is because it's using a metaphor from the Roman world where the the Roman military let's say they went and they conquered a, a new territory on the you know borderlands of the Roman Empire well what they would do is they would take that army that they defeated and they would chain them up they would you know walk them back to Rome naked and humiliate them in a procession and when they got to Rome you know in every town and village they went through people would be throwing stuff at them and it would be the ultimate humiliation it'd be worse than losing the battle it would actually be the humiliation that came afterwards and what what the scriptures are telling us Paul the Apostle is telling us is that that is what God has done to Satan that Jesus defeated Satan but he's not dead yet right that time is coming when he'll be cast into the lake of fire but right now he's being openly put to shame or humiliated uh, by being led in procession 
And what that means is that he's like a, a prisoner or like a captive, a defeated soldier on a chain being led in this procession. And the way that Satan is uh, humiliated is that like we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, right? That God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And what that means is that even the bad things in our life, God takes them and uses them for good and for his glory, ultimately. And that's, you know, think about what a um, humiliating and frustrating experience that is if you're the devil. God says, okay, here's something you can do. And you're like, you're the devil and you're excited. Yes, finally I get to do something that I've wanted to do. And then you do it and then it totally backfires on you. And God ends up using it for his greater glory and for even more good. And so what you thought was a victory for you as the devil, right? Like God finally let me do something, ends up totally um, humiliating you and backfiring you. It'd be the ultimate frustration. Okay. That's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad, Cindy. Uh, thanks for calling in. God bless you. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Give me a call. We've got two open lines. I'm here to answer your questions about the Bible, uh, your questions about theology, your questions about how the Bible relates to our modern situation and culture. I'd love to talk with you about any of those things. Give me a call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Dwayne in Pennsylvania. Hi, Dwayne. Hey, how you doing? Program. Doing great. What's That's up? good. Yeah, I heard last like uh, two or three times uh, people uh, bringing up Rahab and and uh, yeah, I'm a week behind, but and uh, har- harping on. Well, she lied. She lied. Well, uh, it's a scenario of uh, sort of like like Nazi Germany with the tin bins and the hiding place. Yes, you're lying to, to save kids. people's lives and putting your own self at risk to protect others, and it, it's it's not a lie where you like where you benefit yourself or it's a self. It's not a it's not a selfish lie. You know, it would be like today or whatever being in Iran and you're a Christian and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, you know what I mean? Yes, so. Yeah, Dwayne, it's a really helpful way of thinking about this, and this would be uh, thinking about the difference between ethics and morality. And let's put it this way. If we define morality as, um, you know, doing what is right and wrong according to the rules, are there ever times when the ethical thing to do, right? And so we would define ethics as what's truly the correct or right or good thing to do in a given situation. Okay, so um, there are several examples in the Bible of times when people do things which are against the law or against the rules, and yet it's the ethical thing to do because of the circumstance. Now, of course, the the big uh, pushback to this is for people to say, what you're advocating for is um, what's called situational ethics or, you know, situational morality. Well, when you put it that way, it sounds very negative. But let me show you some examples from the Bible. Uh, I wouldn't call it situational ethics or situational morality. I would call it ethics. (laughs) That's simply what ethics is. Uh, Ethics means 
Is there ever a time in which it's right to do something which is generally wrong because of the extenuating circumstances? And the story with Rahab, the story with Corey Ten Boom, the story with, let's say, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the plot to kill Hitler, which, of course, Dietrich Bonhoeffer being a pastor, an evangelical pastor during World War II um, in Germany and being part of a plot to kill Hitler, uh, was that okay? Because, of course, we're told not to kill, right? And we're told to obey the authorities. And yet there are times when um, the right thing to do is actually, the ethical thing to do is actually something which is generally considered wrong. And let me give you some examples. Jesus himself even taught this. Let me, let me explain why. You remember Jesus said, which of you, if you had a uh, donkey that fell into a pit on a Sabbath, would you leave him there or would you pull him out? Because to, to pull him out is definitely work, right? Like that, you're sweating, you're, you're exerting yourself, and it takes work to get him out. But is it right to let the donkey suffer in order to meet the letter of the law? Or should you obey the spirit of the law? That's the whole idea of ethics. You could de define it as the difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. There's another example that Jesus uses where he says, don't you remember when David and his men entered into the tabernacle and they ate the bread which is reserved in the law of Moses for the priests and they ate it and it was the right thing to do even though it's generally against the law. And what Jesus is saying is, you know, the, the law, and he says, is the Sabbath created for man or is man created for the Sabbath? And the answer is, it's not that we were created to keep rules. It's that rules were created to serve us. And so, um, you know, if David had gone into the tabernacle and eaten the showbread uh, just because he wanted a snack, then that would have been absolutely wrong. But if David went in when his men were starving, when they were at battle trying to protect the nation of Israel, the people of God who were, were at danger, of being wiped out. If the people of God get wiped out, then the promise of God to bring the Savior through Abraham and his descendants ends. Everything is at stake. And so David takes his men in and does something which is generally wrong. And it, it's the right thing to do in that circumstance. And, and there are several examples of this uh, in the Bible. And I think that we, we need wisdom as we walk in these days. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. But I think that Rahab is a great example and that Rahab, is, we're told, acted in faith um, in Hebrews chapter 11. So, Duane, I see here that um, you were accidentally hung up on, and I'm really sorry for that. I hope that you hear the answer to this uh, question. I think you bring up a really great point, Duane, and one that a lot of people... Uh, wonder about. I actually taught a sermon on this a few years ago. If you guys go over to our website, whitefieldschurch.com, and you type in the search bar, just type in Rahab. It'll come up, and you'll you'll be able to listen to that sermon. Of course, I spent more time explaining this concept in that sermon. So let's go. Uh, well, let me tell you first. Uh, thanks, Dwayne, and God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live, everyone. The Number to call is 303-690-3000 with your uh, calls about the Bible and your prayer requests. And the text line is 
1-800-273-0897. Love to hear from you and love to answer some of your questions. Speaking of which, let's go to Anthony in Lancaster, PA. Hey, Anthony, welcome to the program. Well, let me add one caveat to what you said, and I think you'll recognize who I'm talking about that said to the last caller was, when in doubt, do it. And if God doesn't want you to do it, he'll close the doors. So go ahead and do what you feel the Spirit leads you to do. And if it's not what the Spirit leads, he'll close the door for you. Yeah. Talking about it. And that's a brilliant thing. Now, to my question is, now when you get into the New Testament, especially Pauline, and the question is, now, or you have first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Now, we're obviously, as a Gentile as I am, I understand that completely. I'm a born-again, saved Christian. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be under God's grace, to say the least. But the question is, now, what is the, in the for lack of a better word, dispensation uh, between the Jews and the Gentiles, are there two basic Gospels? First to the—and and I'm not—not I'm not, not one is greater than the other. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. We understand that when you look at the Old Testament and New Testament, there's that understanding. But is that is that a, a legitimate thing that, that, yeah, for the Jewish community, for I- Israel— yeah. So, uh, now, so of me, course, there's 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 sinners, and there will be unsaved uh, Jewish people. Obviously, we're, we're we're all sinners, and not everybody will understands God's grace. That that's we I get that. But or what is that, and what is your perception of that? Sure, sure. Let me uh, summarize your question, and you tell me if I got it right. Okay. So uh, you're asking essentially. Are there two ways to be saved? Are there two gospel messages, one for the Jew, one for the Gentile? Does that sum it up? In a, in a nutshell, yeah. Okay, that- great. Yeah, so that is a theology. There's a name for that, and there are people who espouse that, and that is not good theology, by the way. That is what I would call anathema, or what the Bible would call anathema, which means this should be condemned. This is absolutely not right. Now, now let me explain why. Um, so some people, this is what it's called is dual covenant theology, dual covenant theology. The idea there is that there is a separate covenant for the Jews and a separate covenant for the Gentiles. And essentially what it says is that the Jews are saved under the old covenant, right? Which means by following the law. And then the Gentiles are saved under the new covenant, which means by trusting in Jesus and what he accomplished for us. And the New Testament makes this very clear. Uh, Here's a great passage for you to look at. Ephesians chapter 4 and in the first part. And it says there, there is not uh, two baptisms. There's one baptism. So it says this. um, There is, let's maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body. In other words, the body of Christ is not divided. There's not a Gentile body and a Jewish body. Yeah, there's not a Gentile body and a Jewish body. There's one spirit, right? The same spirit that's in the Gentiles, is in the Jews. It's the same spirit in those who believe in Jesus. You were called in one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all. It, it, and it goes on. The point here is this. And there are other passages that say this, especially in the book of Galatians, which is probably an entire book, which is written to answer this question. But it says this, that if, if anybody could be saved by the law, then Christ died in vain. Right? In other words, no one can be saved by the law. No one has ever been saved by the law. And the reason Jesus came is so that all people could be saved. Now you might ask, well, how were people saved before Jesus? They were saved by hoping in Jesus. And so it would be a bit ridiculous for us to say, now that Jesus has come, which Paul says, for example, in Colossians chapter 2, that everything that came before were shadows pointing to Jesus, and he is the substance which the shadows pointed to. It would be kind of ridiculous for us to say, well, that now that the substance which the shadows pointed to has come, you guys don't need the substance, you just need the shadows. That, that is not at all what, what the Bible is teaching. It is teaching that there is one Savior, he is the Savior of the Jews, of the Gentiles, there is one way to be saved, and that way is um, by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone. The great Reformation um, mantras right and so right. Uh, so <laughs> right. th these are this is very important so what what you've said there you, you mentioned the word dispensation so um you know dispensationalism has to be defined because there's a sense in which um you know some people use the word dispensation in um different ways one of the ways in which uh dispensationalism is used is it is it's used in the sense that there is a uh, a dispensation of time, and when people use the word dispensationalism, they might mean belief in a literal thousand-year reign of Christ, in a literal um, on-earth kingdom, and on all of these things. Um, the other way that dispensationalism has been used is to talk about dispensations of salvation, and saying that people are saved in different ways at different times. And again, that uh, is anathema. Like We have to reject that. Okay, that 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 that, that gives me because I've always I've always believed there's only one way. There's only one way, uh, and you can't. There's no law. I mean, there are there there you know render unto Caesar's what is Caesar's. There is a law that we have to and should because uh, God set it up that way. He didn't set up chaos. He set up order. And there should be an order to everything. But it just surprised me uh, when I heard that. I was like, well, I, I see, you know, well, you have circumcision and, and, and baptism. And, and I, I'm not, uh, I don't want to say I'm an anti-baptist. <laughs> You'll get emails on that. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate the question and really, really important one. Um, you know, I've talked to some people before who have, you know, said, oh, well, if you're a dispensationalist, you believe that there are different ways to be saved. And the answer is, no, that's not actually what it means necessarily to be a dispensationalist because the word's used in multiple ways. But uh, hey, great discussion, Anthony. Really appreciate the call. God bless you. And thanks for calling in. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000.
That's 303-690-3000, and the text line is 720-336-0897. We've got about seven minutes left in the show, which means there's enough time for uh, one more caller. We could probably take one more caller. If you'd like to get on the show, give us a call, 303-690-3000, or um, we're going to go right now over to the text line had a text come in and I told this person, this text came in actually on Friday when I hosted and I told this person I would answer it today. So I want to get to this by the end of the show. So let's do that now. One person says, I'm having trouble understanding why the name it and claim it doctrine is not biblical. Um, the answer that has been given to me is Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Well, I think I've actually got a better answer for you on that, but let me look up those passages just because I'm curious what that says. Matthew 18, and let's look, which one? 19 and 20. Okay, so this here's what it says. What I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Yeah, so a good question. Uh, there's a very short and easy answer to this. And, and here's what it is. The short answer is this. The, the problem with name it and claim it doctrine, which for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's essentially the belief that if you ask for anything in Jesus' name, and like this verse says, gathered with two or more, then God basically is obligated to give you whatever you ask, right? Like you've just said the magic words and you've used the key to unlock what God wants to give you or what not even what God wants to give you, what you want God to give you. And therefore, because you've said those words, it's like saying abracadabra and now God has to do it. That's the essence of the name it and claim it doctrine. There's a little bit more into it where they get into this whole theory of the fact that God created us in his image, which is something which is often abused, by the way. But and here's a case in which it is abused because they're saying God created us in his image and therefore, just as God used his words to create during creation, we can use our words as people created in the image of God to create things. And they would use terms like worlds make or words make worlds. And they would encourage you never say anything negative, because if you say, I think I'm getting a cold, let's say, well, they would say you just spoke a negative thing into existence and now you're gonna have a cold because you said the word you said the phrase that i think i'm getting a cold so you just created that cold with your words now, first of all that's just not what it means that we're created in the image of god um, secondly here's the problem with this whole name it and claim it thing because essentially they'll tell you you know you need to say out loud this declaration of faith i no longer have cancer i uh, am going to have a mercedes in my driveway I am going to uh, get an A-plus on this test, even if I didn't study for it, right? These kinds of things. Here's the problem with it, that you use it like a formula, right? Where you say, hey, I've got two or more people. We're agreeing. We're in Jesus' name, and we're saying, in Jesus' name, amen. And therefore, we think that now God has to give me what I want because he's obligated to. And they'll say, because he promised that he would. Now, first of all, understand that praying in Jesus' name is not it's not saying in Jesus' name this is not a magical phrase that we're using this is not the equivalent of abracadabra to pray in the name of jesus means to pray according to the will 
of Jesus. It's like if I asked you, hey, would you go down to the post office and would you pick up a package in my name? You would go down to the post office and you would say, I'm picking up a package in the name of Nick Cady. Okay, so it's the same kind of thing where Jesus is saying, you can go to the Father in my name and you can ask for anything. And if it, and he says in different places it different, a little bit different ways. Sometimes he says, anything you ask in my name will be given to you. Other times he says, anything you ask according to my will will be given to you. Because those two phrases are one and the same. To ask in Jesus' name and to ask according to Jesus' will mean the same thing. And so here's the problem with name it and claim it doctrine. It, it basically treats God as if he is a genie and you're trying to crack the code. And you don't care if God wants to give you that thing or if God doesn't want to give you that thing. You want it. And you're going to twist his arm and say the right things and he's going to be obligated to give it to you. But friends, let me tell you this. With God, we have a father, not a genie. And here's the thing you need to understand. That is infinitely better. It is infinitely better to have a father than it is to have a genie. So when we go to God, we ask for things. We seek to pray according to his will. But at the end of the day, when we say amen, we're saying your will be done. Not what I want, God, but what you want, because I know that you are a father who loves me. You know the end from the beginning. You know what will be best for me, and I trust you with my life, and I trust you with this decision because you're a good God. That has brought us to the end of our program. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you for those of you who called in, for those of you who sent texts. I'm going to be hosting tomorrow as well. So if you sent a text and I didn't get to it, I will do my very best to get to it tomorrow. And if you had a question and you didn't get the chance to call in, give me a call tomorrow and I will look forward to talking to you then. Hey, God bless you guys. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Once again, Nick Katie. Check me out, whitefieldschurch.com. Have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.